And I got three check marks, so we're live. Hey, how you doing tonight, Jeff? David, I am awesome. Thank you so much for having me on this show. This is going to be a lot of fun. Well, you know, we're we're just going to wait here for people to start to filter in, you know, uh, on the different platforms because people's the notifications are dinging and everything right now. Absolutely. Uh, well, I was in Fredericton yesterday, and there's snow on the ground today in Moncton. We got snow, and is there any snow up there in Ontario? There is. There is a lot of snow. Actually, I was uh, doing the age-old Ontario tradition of driving on the 401 without snow tires yesterday, and it was slow going, as uh, as, as that is. Oh, and, you weren't uh, you weren't driving like Mario Kart? I mean, usually people, you know. No, no. I was thinking I'd arrive alive. I was doing the Toronto to Waterloo sort of finance to tech power corridor, and and I figured I'd arrive alive, but it took forever. Yeah, yeah. It's normally about a two-hour drive, is it? You know what? It can be done in an hour fifteen, but that, but yeah, it was like a two and a half hour uh, construction, wet snow, no snow tires, just not being prepared, and you know how that song goes. All right, I see some people are joining us live now, so um, we have someone tuning in from Maryland already, leaving a comment oh, nice. for us. And and for anyone who who signs on, just so you know, if you if you leave a comment, uh, we will be getting to them towards the end. And uh, love the fact that people uh, want to interact um, and uh, participate in the program. So let's let's get things rolling. I'm going to play my intro. Absolutely. And then, we'll, uh, and then we'll get going. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making the broadcast podcast YouTube channel where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things. I talk to interesting people and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like, be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. All right, everyone. Uh, I'm really happy. Uh, I think this is going to be a fantastic show, too, because, uh, of course, the channel is all about business, and we have a business owner here with us tonight. And in particular, somebody who is in retail, which, you know, th this is the business category that has had some of the biggest challenges with respect to the last two years of what's been going on with, uh, with viruses and all that other kind of stuff. And so, and, and then there's news, you know, about the sponsorship and everything. I, I kind of leaked that out a little bit earlier this week to some of the people on my email list. But for those who don't know you or haven't heard your story before, mm -hmm. why don't we start off there? Because you, you, you were a soldier and now you're, you know, doing custom menswear. Absolutely. So can you take us a little bit through that journey about how you ended up from, you know, from the military into, into being in this business? Sure. Do you mind if I back it up even before I was in the military sure. and what I consider my, my true start? So I was in business school and I was in a co-op program. Uh, and what that means for folks who don't know is that you study one semester and you work in the field of, you know, quote, business administration, essentially get a white collar job uh, the next semester. And it goes sort of on, off, on, off. And so I, uh, in order to get a job, you have to, like, they don't give it to you. You have to go out and, and, and get a job. And part of that process, of course, is getting yourself uh, a suit, shirt, and tie. And for me, that was something that I had, I had not done before. I'm not even sure I owned a collared shirt of any sort uh, at the age of 19. But I had watched a lot of movies, mm -hmm. uh, especially James Bond movies. So I was really excited 
about about getting a suit because I was going to be very cool like James Bond in my suit, right? So I went to the store with my dad, and you have to understand, like my dad is that guy who was wearing running shoes with his suits before like rappers were doing it. You know, like he's a professor and he's wearing sort of his new balances with his oversized suits. It, you know, we're just not a fashion family, I guess. And so we go to the store and I put on this suit and I'm excited to put the suit on and I you know, put it on. Oh yeah. I look in the mirror and I'm like, I go to the sales guy. I'm like, you know, I thought I was going to look cool in the suit, but what I see in the mirror is a dork. Like, I feel like I look kind of dorky. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, and this, uh, I don't even think I'm paraphrasing. I think that's a direct quote. And, and so the guy, he kind of looks me up and down. He's like, well, it's not just suit. It's you. Like, like maybe you're just a dork. This is the suit for you. And, and you know, and, and my father, and I don't, we don't know anything. So we buy the suit. Yeah. And what you need to understand, I'm kind of going forward and then backward to concise it a little bit. Is, is I was 145 pounds at the time of purchase here at the age of 19, okay? I, I'm 175 pounds right now for some context. This suit was made for a man who is 230 pounds. So I'm going into job interviews with a suit that's so large, the shoulder is like flopping down, right? Like the, the collar on the shirt is where my open collar is. So at the time, you can see my three chest hairs, even when I've got my tie up. So I'm going to job interviews. So was this salesman just totally incompetent or what? I don't know. I, I, I want like, was there a spiff on the suit? You know, maybe it was like whoever can sell a skinny guy, this foolish suit gets a hundred bucks or you, know, <laughs> you, you almost wonder if there's corruption involved. But anyways, <laughs> this is this is what happens. So I go to these job interviews and, you know, and I, and I bet you a lot of the audience is aware when you see somebody wearing clothes that are this ill fitting, like your caveman primitive brain is like, idiot, idiot, idiot. Like it, it really wouldn't have mattered how brilliant I may have sounded in an interview. Like, like they're just like, do I want this person in my tribe? No. Right. All those sort of subliminal or, or questions, sorry, subconscious questions that you're asking yourself when you're sizing up an individual immediately, I'm getting all the wrong answers. So the to get a co-op job is is very easy at least it was in in my day so all my peers there's 250 exactly in this program and they and everyone's getting a job in their first second or if you're like a real dunce your third interview okay yeah. so i go to 50 right sorry five zero i just want to clarify that not one five i'm talking five zero and I'm sure the interviews. That's right. I'm sure the audience can appreciate. It. I am somebody who exaggerates when I tell stories, uh, especially after a couple of beers. But I, I, I can assure you that this is a this is a fact, a well documented fact, because I had a tick chart. So I'm I'm speaking with my parents, right? I'm just sort of as you talk to your folks, right? You're 19 or whatever. I'm keeping them apprised, and I'm like, yeah, it just seems to be something wrong here, right? And I just can't figure this out. And uh, anyways, my mom calls a family friend, and 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 he hires me for my co-op job, sort of sight unseen and out of pity. And for me, and I, you know, we know each other pretty well. I'm sure you're wired the same way. I, I was certainly grateful to be still in the program. Uh, but once I'd solved that immediate hurdle and I had time to think and some introspection, I felt much shame, right? And obviously I am a military guy. I'm a death before dishonor guy. And I was like, what kind of a loser? 19 is when you kind of start, like, I am a man, but I'm calling my mom and she's solving my problems for me. Right. Like, yeah, like, like you can imagine. Yeah. Like the shame is just is huge. Right. And so, you know, is it is it my breath? 
Is it the way I speak? Is it, is it, I don't know that it's because I'm dressing like a fool is the point. You know, because I've told you that, but I don't know at this point. Nobody's told me that, right? And why would they? As you know, you give somebody bad feedback, they could sue you in our day. So everyone's just like, okay, you're a moron next, right? So nobody says, hey, Katie, like, here, here's the issue. Anyways, I decide that maybe it is the way I dress. So I go to a store called Harry Rosen, okay? A lot of Americans in the audience won't know Harry Rosen, but think of like Holt Renfrew, okay? Harry Rosen, though, the uh, largest um, and highest price point um, menswear, formal wear chain in Canada. And I go into I go into the store there and, uh, hey, what do you got to do to get a job here? And these guys kind of look me up and down and they're like, you know, and they're the cool kids for sure. And and they're like, you, you are not going to get a job here, man. <laughs> like, OK, fair enough. And and so I go to Moore's. Right. So I go to I go to Moore's and I what do you got to do to get a job here? And the guy looks me up and down and he tells me if, he gives it to me straight. He's like, dude, that that suit is way too big for you to a point where you look foolish. I was like, okay. So he's like, so you're going to come here tomorrow and you're going to come early and we're going to get you started. But the first thing that we have to do is get you into a good suit because I see something in you, but it's not the suit you're wearing right now. I said, okay, thanks. So I showed up the next day and this guy puts a suit on me. I put it on and I look in the mirror, 007. I'm like, Oh, and I see it and I believe it. And, you know, we all have moments in our lives that are very transformative. But for me, that was easily, well, maybe not easily, but but I believe that it was the most transformative moment in my life, as unromantic as that sounds. I saw myself in a mirror in a suit and I, I maybe believed something about myself that I hadn't believed before, but 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 obviously wanted to. And I was hired to, you know, vacuum and, and wipe down the mirrors and fold shirts. But I found myself like someone walk in the store and I'd be like, I have to beat all the sales guys to this guy. Right. And I just beeline in and, you know, hey, I'm Jeff. So great to meet you. What brings you in today? And I just be evangelizing on people wearing clothes that fit and how important that is. And one thing that I didn't realize at the time, Moore's was the type of place a lot of people would come in. They would have that same excited energy, except, except I, where I was like, yeah, this would be awesome. You know, they, their hands would be shaking because they were nervous because they right. thought we might judge them. Right. It's their first suit. Uh, maybe they're getting married. Maybe they have a funeral. There's some event in their life that it, that is where it is a job interview. But, you know, your first time buying a suit can be a very uh, nervous experience for some. And anyway, so, so people would be really nervous. And then I, of course, would would delight in calming them down. And, you know, I teach them how to tie a tie and all that type of fun stuff. And eventually I kind of made this like dressing basic sort of one-on-one course that, you know, I just took everyone through and, and then people would come in and they'd be like, I got to see this Jeff guy. I got to work with this Jeff guy. And, you know, well, we got people in the audience saying you look like Pierce Brosnan. So I, so I think, you, uh, well, you, know, you know what? Fun fact, Pierce Brosnan is my favorite bond and we can debate that in the Q and a, because I know like, I saw that I don't love Daniel Craig. I, I do. It's not that I don't love Sean Connery, but Pierce is my guy because mm -hmm. I've read all the bond books and I feel like, you know, just from a casting perspective, he's got, he, he's got like Ian Fleming's, you know, thing. So anyways, it was a great experience. Uh, as you know, I graduated in 2007. 2007, the war was on TV all the time. I'm not really sure why now in retrospect, but at that time, and I am a bit of a futurist, like whenever I make a decision, I'm always thinking of like the 200 year mark. 
I'm, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, like what will, you know, Jack and Luke's grandkids think about this decision? That's sort of like my automatic set point. Uh, and, and so I was like, you know, what, if my kids asked me, like, where were you during the Afghanistan war? Like, I, I want to say like Afghanistan, right. I want to say I enlisted for whatever reason that was really important to me. So I enlisted, even though like my, I'm not from a military family and it's actually sacrilege in the area that I was from. Um, but, but for whatever reason I wanted to do that and I joined the military, but it was going to take a, and I'm fast forwarding a bit, right. I worked at Moore's for a couple of years by this point And then, uh, I joined the military after I graduated or I enlisted and they're like, well, it's going to take a year to get in, which for me was shocking. I mean, I, we're in a war. I figured it'd be like, okay, here's your helmet, get in the back of this truck. You know, you see your folks in a year from now kind of thing. But, but anyway, so I, I, they said it's going to take a year. So I went back to Harry Rosen. Okay. And, yeah. And give me one more minute to land this plane because some, I, I know it's been a bit of a long story, but I think this part's really relevant because, because that first part is a little bit of my inspiration. Now I'm going to get into kind of ideation, right? And I'm sure we'll talk about execution in, in a moment here, but, but I went to Harry Rosen and I was kind of like, what do you gotta do to get a job here? Which is sort of my thing. And, and these guys kind of looked me up and down and they're like, you're that kid who was here two years ago, right? I was like, yeah, that's me. And so like, all right, like you're, you're in now. Cause I was wearing obviously wealthy. And you looked better at that time. Much better, much better. Yeah. And I, it was like put together and it was obvious. Um, one thing I did fail to mention, but I think is important is, you know, I was in my second year at the, at the beginning of this story and I was essentially a C student. And what happened is once I, I was wearing the suits, I became a lot more confident. I was looking people in the eye when I spoke to them and I was more, more confident. Uh, I don't know if I was more competent, but everyone thought I was. And so what happened was I became the guy in all the group projects who did the presentation, right? So it would always take, so I went from a guy who was a C student who nobody really wanted to work with to a guy who was like the guy who would, who would, you know, drive it from a B to an A or an A to an A plus. So all of a sudden I was like highly sought after in the group work. And actually my job was really easy. So I did less work and got better results. And I was of course attributing it to clothing and seeing how it could be a virtuous loop. Uh, or something that created a virtuous loop in my in my life. So the army is like, well, it's going to take a year. And I and I, I basically was like, OK, well, I could, you know, get a Bay Street style job or whatever. But I, I'm learning something in clothing that's so important. So I went to Harry Rosen, did that whole thing. They hired me and I worked there for a year. And, and you know, after you're in any job for a while, you start to like think, well, how could it be better? Right. And guys would come in. Guys just like you, David. Right. I got, like you come in. And, you know, you got a bit of an aura and you're like, see my, you know, oh man, this guy's guys together. And they'd be like, hey, Jeff, what's new? And like nothing would be new, right? Because we got our clothes in like dumps every four months, but you're in here every two weeks, right? So it'd be like such a struggle to show you something new. And then, and then you know, you, you see a shirt like I'm wearing right now, right? I'm wearing a dark blue shirt, right? But you can see I got a lot of wild under the hood. I have some interesting buttons, right? Um and this type of shirt, you know, that, that'd be a $400 shirt every single, every single time. People would just see that wild under the hood of the cuff and they'd be like, oh my God, I have to have it. And I, and I started to realize like, you know, one of the, one of the reasons you wanted that and were willing to pay so much for it is because you wore these shirts to networking events, right? They needed to be things that made people say like, where did you get that shirt? Now you're in an icebreaker and like situation. It's comfortable to talk. Right. And so I thought, well, okay. Okay, people need icebreakers. Gotcha. 
And then, and then another thing is like, let's so say are you, you saying are, there just wasn't a lot of innovation in the menswear? Like it was a lot of the same kind of thing. Like just that was pattern. a big part of it. That was yeah. a big part of it. And then some, and then a lot of the innovation was going really hard into the biz cash even then. Uh, and it was too casual to really wear for maybe the most guys purposes. And so let's say like you're a perfect example, right? Tall fella, right? You'd walk in, I say, oh, day, and I, 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 there'd be these shirts that you would love on my right. But there'd be these shirts that you were actually going to fit into on my left, right? right? So I'd be like, David, you know, it's really good to see you, man. I got some shirts over on my left that you're going to love. And then I tell my buddy, I'd be like, yo, put some overcoats on those shirts on the right. Because if he sees the shirts on the right, but then they don't fit, he's not going to buy anything. You see what I'm trying mm -hmm. to say? And I'm on 100% commission out here. So you got to buy something today. Not like that whole thing. So anyways, I, you know, I just wanted people to be able to, to the clothes to always fit. I didn't want to run into this fit issue. Right. And I, and you know, the guy who wants that little bit of wild under the hood here, half of them wanted the whole shirt to be that crazy, crazy pattern. Cause they just wanted something that people would say, that is a cool shirt. Where did you get it? Right. And, and you know, and so at the time it's like, why, why do we, why don't we just make things from scratch? Right. Like we wouldn't have to blow it out at the end of the season. It'd be more sustainable. People would get exactly what they want. You know, that, that whole thing. So anyway, did, did you suggest that at Harry Rosen? I, I, I did, but you have to remember, I was pretty low. I was the lowest on yeah. that. I was the lowest on this. So I, I was one day the army called. And so I joined, I was boom. Next thing you know, I'm in the army. Yeah. And one thing I noticed, one thing that's great about the army is you get a lot of time off. A, like, because you're in the field, you're on deployment, you're, you're working a lot, but then you're like, okay, now you have three weeks off. Right. This is actually pretty uncommon for a lot of, um, you know, type of work. And, and, and I would just travel. And whenever I traveled, I noticed that I would buy cool shirts, right? I would buy a cool shirt and then I would go to, and then I would come back home and I go to a party and people would say, Jeff, that is an awesome shirt. Where did you get it? And I thought, and, and, you know, I would say, well, you know what, actually, I'm so glad you asked that question. Cause I was just in Costa Rica and I was like surfing for three weeks. And I was like, you know, drinking out of coconuts and like opening them with machetes. And next thing you know, it gave me license to tell an interesting story Right. And talk about myself, which is something I wanted to do anyway. And it was just, it was just fantastic. So I will land the plane here is I basically kind of thought, well, if we could make this shirt fit, if we could then, if we're going to make it after, like after the fact so that it fits you, well, then we can let you design it or help you design it. So it's exactly what you want, not kind of what some famous designer thinks you want. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that third thing is story. What if when someone did say, hey, that's an awesome shirt, David, where did you get it? You weren't like, yeah, well, you know, it's a Tommy Hilfiger and I got it at Sears. Like, cool, man. But what if you were like, actually, I went to Jeff Alba Custom. I met this cat named Chris. Let me tell you about the process, which I'm sure you've told that exact story to many folks. I have. Yeah, I have already. It's, it's so totally if you have those three elements that into me at that time, I was like, that's a dangerous dress shirt. In fact, that's that's the world's most dangerous gesture. And 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 that's the that's story behind the tagline that you guys are using in your marketing right now. That's absolutely it. I, and I don't know why. I just thought like, man, that that would be dangerous. In fact, it would be the world's most dangerous dress shirt. And I thought that was a million dollar idea. Not everyone agreed with me, but <laughs> I thought it was. You now you actually made a presentation and appeared on television for CBC television's Dragon's Den, which is a similar kind of program to Shark Tank for you guys in the States. 
And so you made a presentation in front of the investors and you had a bunch of your buddies you know, wearing these different shirts. Mm -hmm. What at what point in your business journey did that event happen? Did you already have the store open when the opportunity came up to appear or this was part of your launch? It really was part of my launch. So it's like the timeline is actually, I think, super interesting for guys like us who are sort of hardcore into business for other folks. I think they wouldn't necessarily get it. But so we made the decision to go on Dragon Sand after nine months. But remember, so I started the, the business in my wife and I sorry, started together in January 2016. Okay. Uh, I didn't get out of the army until January 2019. Right. So like I was pretty light on research. Right. I wasn't one of those guys who like, oh, I'm going to think about this for like two years. I'd, I'd always been into clothing and I'd, I'd worked in the industry. I always kept up with it. Right. So when it was sort of time to go, I was like, you know, I'm going to launch and I, I'm going to learn by trial and error. Right. Is a little bit more my mentality. So nine months into it, you know, I'm just sort of doing it evenings and weekends. Um, we're like, OK, we're going to go on Dragon's Den. And then we applied. And then it was like, you know, maybe four months later. Uh, they kind of roll in like American Idol style where they're like, hey, we're going to be at this hotel on this day. And it starts at 10 and whoever shows up, it's just first come, first serve. Right. And to me, I thought, you know, this would be we have a really cool brand. We have all these things. We don't really have the money for a big marketing splash. But if we could go out and just knock it out of the park on Dragon's Den, that could be that that hard boot launch. Right. Mm. And, and so we, we did the audition. Um, obviously the audition went well and then, or maybe it didn't, right? I mean, all you really know is if you have any common sense, you getting to go on TV means you're like a stud or a dud, right? Like, like, like the middle's not going to make TV cause it's incredibly boring. Um, there, there's some dramatic element they think they can, they can spin to their benefit. The absolutely. Like, yeah. Show, this is not right? about you, uh, in their eyes. Right. So so and then four months after, or then a month after that, you do the, the presentation. Right. And then it's like six months after that, it's going to show up on television. And why this is so key is like that means that we presented on Dragon's Den when we were just over a year old. And then and then it would have gone on television. And when I say actually might have been closer to nine months from when we tape to when it's live. So the company's almost double its duration and time by the time it launches. And what that means is your company can look very different, right? Mm. You can, maybe you look kind of fly by night and a little shaky and on a shoestring budget at that time. And maybe things have changed quite dramatically and you're sort of trying to marry those, those things up, right? But for me, I wanted massive brand awareness um, and I wanted to be a little bit of a hometown hero. And I thought if we could really knock it out on Dragon's Den and then, then we'd have those things going for us. So, and, and how long, because you, you started off with your store in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and then, and you eventually opened up a store in Waterloo, Ontario. That's where you are right now. That's correct. How, how long after the Dragon's Den appearance before you opened the Waterloo store? It's quite a bit because the Dragon's Den appearance was the end of 2017, mm -hmm. right? And at that time, uh, we just moved the store uh, above a restaurant. And, and before that, we were like operating out of a shed just between sort of my condo and, and, and above this restaurant. And then, so in January, 2019, we opened up the standalone store in Fredericton, which you know, and have been to, and, and the folks will see some clips of, right. And that was, so that was January, 2019. And then we opened this store here in February, 2020. And folks who are interested in business and, 
you know, read the newspaper or uh, know that that was three weeks before the pandemic started, which was obviously full. Yeah. Uh, but but that's that's how the dice roll sometimes. And OK, so so you're you're growing your business. The the Dragon's Den appearance obviously helps people to know you. Mm -hmm. uh, are you still running into people today who are doing business with you for the first time who maybe actually recall that appearance or, or remember seeing you on TV? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes I, I, I've been at wedding shows here in, in, in Ontario, like not, you know, not Fredericton. And people are like, Dragon's Den. Dragon's Den, man, I love that episode. You, you, you know, and it's it, it's it's pretty crazy, right? But of course, I mean, and, and I mean, anyone who's a maritime or if you're in America, even an Easterner, right? You know, in my own hometown, people will walk by the street and have no idea I exist, even though I'm easily the most aggressive marketer in the province, right? It's just it, it's it's so strange. So. Um, but what prompted the connection between you and I is mm. that I actually got started to get comments on some of my YouTube videos about people complaining about the ugly shirts that I was wearing when I was making videos. And so Yat Long uh, went and started to do some legwork to try to find out if, if the idea that maybe we could get some kind of wardrobe sponsor. Right. And then we came across you. And what one of the, the big reasons why we made the decision to approach you is at the moment we found you, you actually had uh, coming soon advertising your website for an American store. And so, and so you had opened up the Waterloo store and then you had plans to get into the States because a lot of the viewership was American. And I thought, wow, yeah. if this guy's got stores in Canada and the U S it's going to make more sense for him to do something with me. Mm -hmm. And so why don't you tell us about the, about the store that you had planned in the States and you know, what happened with that plan? Well, I mean, the, the Coles notes is it got stalled uh, yeah. due to COVID, unfortunately, right? Although looking back, and I'll, I'll touch back in a second, if I was smarter, I probably should have accelerated it. But uh, my third store is going to be in Austin, Texas, which is very exciting because Austin is super awesome and Texas is super awesome. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, when a lot of people hear that, they, they think that's insane. Um, but the reason I think it's a good idea is so Waterloo, for folks who don't know, Waterloo in Canada is essentially like the Silicon Valley of Canada, right? It's, yeah. it's the tech center. And when we were just small and we didn't get too many orders, right? And, you know, really have a one or two degree connection away, we were getting orders online from Waterloo. And um, and I would some I would just call the people like, I, hey, you bought something off my website. Like, why did you do that? And I can see that you're one of the founders of, you know, um, like insert big tech company. Right. Yeah. And and it, it turned out that a lot of tech guys were wanting to wear. And I'll, I'll show some examples after some of our like really what we call dangerous shirts, or really dangerous shirts. Um, you know, a lot of tech guys, you know, they're on the wrong side of 35 and they've kind of moved up in the organization. They're not going to wear cargo shorts and a hoodie as much as that's like what people think goes on. So, but they want to wear a dress shirt that says, hey, like I'm an individual, I'm unique, I'm a rebel, I'm a rogue, I'm a creator. And they want to wear that untucked over jeans. And that was like how I dress. Yeah, that's how I dress like three days out of five kind of thing. Um, and, and it's a big, if you go to our website, um, it's like a, our big thing, right? And so, or one of our looks, right? And so a lot of people were gravitating that uh, from tech towns. And so that even... Then that kind of informed my plan. I was like, well, why would I be going for Toronto and New York in the traditional fashion when I'd made this huge splash in Fredericton and New Brunswick? 
why not go to a tech town that doesn't really have the huge guys going for it? I could make a big splash there. And then I thought, like, remember in 2017, when I'm coming up with the, the cunning plan here, not everybody knew that Austin, Texas was going to be the next Silicon Valley. I did because I'm reading, you know, the Elon Musk book, Peter, T I mean, Peter Thiel writes like all the, all these tech guys. I'm, I, I, you know, I'm reading biographies and I'm, and I'm reading the books that are written by these guys. Cause I, I actually find big tech quite fascinating. And I'm, it's so obvious that Austin is like where the puck is going. Now everybody knows that, but I swear at the time only I knew it. And I thought like, it just makes sense to, to go South. Right. And then sweep West. Whereas if you look at, and Harry Rosen's a fantastic example in a company that I know a lot about because I work there and I still study it. A lot of Canadian uh, clothing brands have expanded across Canada, whether it was west to east, east to west, or sort of Toronto mm. in both ways, and then have tried to go south and it's just not worked. It's not worked at all. So I thought, you know, why not make your third store in America while you're still nimble and your culture is nimble? And, 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 you know, those lessons are going to be painful, but do it while you're agile and then, and then sweep that way you could be a proper North American. I, yeah, I remember in business school when we were doing strategy and in international business, you know, the number of Canadian firms that, you know, tried to go into the States and, you know, didn't make it for one reason or another. And it's funny because if you, for people who've, who've spent time in both countries, there's a lot of similarities between <laughs> the two countries, but then same, same, but are, different. there are same, same, but different. Yeah. And, and, and then recently, of course, Target tried to come into Canada and they lasted like 18 months and that was a huge disaster. But um, it was so I find this interesting because you're right. A lot of people would say, well, I'm trying to sell clothes. Where are the men with money, for example? Right. Right. And that would immediately lead you to wanting to be in like New York City, for example. Like a lot of men are there and a lot of men there have money to buy clothes, but everyone else is there. And I, and I like how you've kind of uh, found not through guesswork, but actually by looking at the patterns and results of who was stepping up to be your customer and kind of informed that opportunity for you that, hey, people related to this industry, for whatever reason, seem to be more open to being my customer and, mm -hmm. and, and following that thread. I, I think that's really insightful. Actually, can um, I mention one more thing on the yeah. on the America thing, too? Um, so, you know, like military guy. Uh, one thing, luckily, uh, you know, I was fortunate. Uh, we send five Canadians a year to do the United States uh, Army Ranger, Army Ranger School. And so I went to Ranger School, um, which is, you know, carries a lot of water in America. And I got to meet a lot of Americans through that process. I also got to um, uh, do a pretty large military exercise in California. And my buddies and I just love road tripping to America. So I'd like to talk to many Americans and stuff. And and it was funny, you know, we a lot of people will look at our social media and think that, you know, we built this business with social media. But really, some, that's kind of putting the cart before the horse. What really happened is I went to a lot of offices and asked if I could give a presentation on, you know, dress for success or trends and whatever. And now I just kind of go in and tell the story I just told about, you know, uh, dressing like an idiot and getting myself sorted out. But I, uh, I would go to companies in Fredericton. And I might give like the best presentation I've ever given. And people would be like, that's pretty interesting. I might go and get a shirt. Well, well, one day a fellow calls my cell phone. And this was back when I had like my cell number on the website because like it wasn't that busy. And, uh, and he's like, uh, hey, you know, my name is X and I'm from, you know, Harvard National or Harvard Lampoon. 
And, you know, we just, you know, we're all big fans of Jeff Alpa and Jeff Alpa Custom. And we'd like to order about 40 custom dress shirts, right? And this was actually two days before our, our Dragon's Den episode aired. And I was planning this big party, right? We had this huge party for a viewing party. So I was a little busy. And I was just like, no way, man. You guys are big fans. Like, yeah. I was like, well, I am Jeff Alpa. And the guy was like, the Jeff Alpa, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I actually want to take my wife to Boston anyway. So why don't I go down and meet you guys in a couple of weeks and we'll just like outfit everybody, right? Anyway, so next thing you know, these guys have a castle, like an actual castle. And Em and I are like knocking on the big like copper knocker. Like, are we at the right castle? And then, like, you know, all these like 19 and 22 year olds, oh, yeah, come in and you got Canadians, you guys are our big guests. And next thing you know, I'm like, I'm in this room that's called their library, and it's a circle. And every book in the room is written by somebody who is actually like an alumni from this, this Lampoon Club. And, and actually, Em and I were both reading the Steve Jobs biography by Walter Isaacson, and, and he's an alumni and not <laughs> like, like, like four books by him. So, whatever. Uh, so super cool. So next thing you know, I'm in this room and there's like 60 kids who are like, and they're like drinking like right out of the bottle and they're so rowdy and it's Saturday night and they're like, give us a speech, man, give us a speech. And I was just like, and, and, and I was like actually very nervous because I'm like way older than these guys. And it's just like, uh, here I am in, in Harvard. Like I didn't even think I'd be deserved to grace Harvard. And so I'm like, well, you know, I have to have a strong opening. Right. So I was like, I'm like, well, I need you guys to pay attention if I'm going to speak, because if I speak, what I say is going to blow the stained glass off this freaking castle. And I'm telling you, but I, I, I didn't I don't think anything I said made sense or was coherent. But for five minutes, I was talking and these guys were cheering me like 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 I've never gotten. You see what I'm saying? So I started giving presentations in America and everywhere I went, I could bomb and everyone would be like, you are so awesome. And I'm buying a suit right now. And, and, and I, I think that maybe our brand has a bit of an Americana flavor that I think is really <laughs> going to hit in America when we have a store there, I believe. Well, I mean, I, don't worry. When you open in Austin, I'm going to let everyone know that follows me. But let's uh, let's take a couple, let's take a little look because um, this summer I went to your store in Fredericton because it's only yeah. an hour and a half drive from where I live. And so we did, let, let's talk about this. We went to, um, there you go. So oh, that's yeah. me in the store and look how young we look. Yeah, I know. It was a long <laughs> time ago. That that uh, by the way is the shirt that elicited one of the bad comments. You know, the ugly shirt that I'm wearing right there. Right. I, I thought it would be great to wear that. And um, so I'm meeting there, and this is where some of your guys are schooling me on what uh, what clothes should look like when you're wearing them. Absolutely. And this is, is for folks. No, and, and I'm not sure if the screen's reversed, forever, but. So the, the, the fellow who's beside you sitting, that's Chris. And then the fellow who is showing you the blazer, that's Sean. So Chris and Sean are, uh, are two of our guys, absolutely fantastic. And they're, you know, <coughs> starting the process where I imagine with this app at this point is they'd kind of mind you for information, hopefully yeah. not make it feel like an interrogation, making it feel like a comfortable conversation and try to get into your psyche, your headspace alongside some basic factors like what do you do what is your lifestyle you know what colors do you like but but also like like you know what is your persona what is your energy right and now that they've done that they're showing you some things hoping to kind of elicit what reaction are we getting out of him when we present him these things i imagine that's the phase that you guys are at in this discussion 
Well, yeah. And so we talked about clothes and then we got into fabrics and I was kind of blown away by the, like, I don't think that I could have walked in and chosen a fabric without someone's help because there's literally all these books with little swatches of material. And these guys knew their way around the collection of fabrics like crazy. Like they, they were hopping through these books and pulling things out. And, and honestly, the things they were picking out and they were like, what do you think about that? Like, I really felt like they got what I would be interested in because they were bypassing the stuff that clearly wasn't me. Well, if you don't mind me speaking to that, so what, one, of, one of the things that I believe, or, or I believe for us, is, and I've felt this, this is more obvious now post-pandemic, but this was less obvious in 2016 when I was trying to build out the culture and, and, and the idea of this all. The way I see technology, it doesn't replace people it enables them. And you can see that when you come in, I mean, we've been by appointment uh, since before it was COVID by appointment, right? Mm-hmm. And and one of the reasons for that is, you know, it sort of looks like retail, but it's more like the special forces of retail, right? And, and you know that, like, I doubt you like shopping. I highly doubt I hate it. it. I hate I, it. I, right. And, and I wanted to create an experience that, that people like me who hate, like, I hate shopping, but I do love clothes. But most men don't even like clothes and they hate shopping, right? Mm-hmm. So, so how are we going to entice that individual to do business with us, right? Well, it can't be shopping. It can't be retail, right? And so it's not. And, but a lot of our guys are CEOs, executives. And, and how do CEOs and executives make decisions? Well, they want a guide. They, want, like, they can't be an expert in everything, but they have much to manage, right? So they rely on their experts to have more subject uh, knowledge, right? Subject matter knowledge. Uh, but then brief them on the relevant points. And then they go, okay, based on what I've heard, I'll take option two, right? And so we've yeah. tried to create that same thing where we take in all the feedback on you. We have a lot of product knowledge on a wide range of cloth, fit, design, structure. And then we take what we're getting from you, what we know, putting it together. We could go this direction, this direction, this direction. It's very easy for you to say, hey, you know what? Let's get let's go with your recommendation. Let's go with option two. So, you know, when you think about clothes, you, I, I do think more of that retail model, Moore's, Harry Rosen, you're going in there, they're the things on racks kind of thing. But what you're actually doing a consultative sales process to create a custom solution for every individual ticket. Absolutely. So did you ever sit down and look at other businesses that do that and then try to like model? What would some of those businesses have been that you looked at? Well, I, I don't know if I modeled perfectly one to one because a lot of those businesses that do that, I think of like consulting firms, right? right. Of like, you know, McKinsey or Deloitte and they go into a company and somebody just sits in the company and watches things for two months and then they come up with a custom and tailored solution, right? Understanding that, you know, we can't go into that depth with clothes because we're not selling a million dollar product, right? But we are selling a product that's maybe more expensive than what you might get off the rack right? It's, it's great value. But I was wondering, like, as much as possible, how could we bring that? Because most people want to be guided in areas that they don't know about, right? So how could we guide you? But, but, but one of the issues when you talk to salespeople who are essentially amateurs, they try to guide you before they understand you. But right. you know, when a consultant goes into a company to come up with a solution, the first step is essentially uh, investigative, observing, and oriented, Right. And there's a military model called, uh, we call it OODA loop, right? And it's just sort of observe, orient, decide, and act. 
And, and, and so we just try to do that. But the first thing is we have to observe, we have to learn about you before we can actually bring our knowledge to bear on the subject that is you. But one thing I really like about the custom, and this is what I wanted, you know, at other clothing stores I worked at, and it's, I mean, it was great for what it was, but we have to like pick you and just be like, okay, you're kind of like an orange, but you need to buy this apple, right? But now we can just figure out who you are and everyone is an individual and just design something from the ground up. So I don't ever have to feel like I'm selling somebody the wrong product for them because I'm just making the right product for yeah. them. Now, here's, let me stay here, here, here's, here's the next clip, Jeff. And it's, yeah. it's like um, after the fabrics and stuff had been picked out there, we started to go over details of things like lapels and and all the other sort of finery. It ended up becoming this jacket that I'm wearing here today. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I learned so much in this session. I had no idea about most of this stuff. Well, let me mention one thing um, on the tech side of the house that I want to mention, and it does dovetail into what you're speaking about here, where you learned a lot, right? You, you There was an education component. And, you know, a lot of our our, uh, our folks, I think, like learning, right? They, they don't like dealing with somebody who doesn't give them the information, doesn't give, right? We actually educate to what you need so that you know that, you know, we let you make the decision ultimately, but you know you've made a good one because you were given the education you needed to make that decision wisely. So the way I think of technology, and I think a lot of CEOs, um, and it's okay, it depends what your business is, but a lot of CEOs think of tech as a way to replace the humans, because of course, humans are work, right? Yeah. But but to me, I, I and I use military analogies for everything, because it's, it's it's what I know. But, you know, if, if we look a thousand years ago, Dave, if you and I were soldiers, right, I'd have my spear, right? And I'd be responsible for the lane in front of me. And you'd be right here and you'd be responsible for the lane right beside. And we would just go forward and smash our spear into whatever came came in front of us until we fell. And the next guy would just take the lane. But in, in another thousand years, you and I, like I'll be in a big mech suit, right? And I'll have machine guns and missiles and I'll be flying and, and, and I'll have a kilometer that I'm in charge of. And you'll be right beside me. It's just that you'll be a kilometer over. You won't be gonna, you won't be piloting the red lion and become like the left arm of the big Voltron robot thing. Well, it could be that, but <laughs> the point is, is, is less individuals will control more space, right? right. And yeah. so you've met Chris, you've met Sean, um, you, and you see that, like, you know, when a lot of people would think of like a clothing sales guy, they, they wouldn't necessarily realize the caliber that we are. But you know, we're doing virtual appointments every day with people across America, right? And we're using the, basically the same tech that we're using now to provide them, like we're using our store to show and, and all that stuff. And the point is, is I, I, I just, we use technology in order to enable and enlarge and expand each one of us as individuals, which, which, so it creates a bit of a hybrid model where it is still, you still are getting us as individuals learning about you as an individual and getting mm -hmm. not just the tailored clothing, but the tailored information, the tailored styling, the tailored knowledge, but we're, but we're reaching so much further. And I think well, that's, a, that's a great model, you know, for the next let, 10 let years. Me ask you about, let, let me ask you about those virtual uh, appointments, because obviously with, uh, with the lockdown and all that kind of stuff, more brick and mortar businesses had to learn how to use that kind of virtual technology, but you were doing, virtual fittings well in advance of that weren't you yes we were yes yeah. we were the one the, the one thing um that really helped is uh it made you know at that time it was really novel 
and the people who were doing it were essentially early adopter personality types. But what happened for us is, as you know, a lot of American states and American cities went back to work when Canada went like back to like COVID yeah. is like day one. Right. So and, and a lot of people will talk about how, like, you know, it's been really hard on restaurants and I don't want to play like who's had it hardest game. But restaurants have been impacted more operationally, but people still want to go to restaurants. Right. But for us, you know, and, and ultimately what matters less is operations and more demand because it's easier to solve an operations problem than a sales problem. So for us in Canada, people were not going to work. They were not going to parties. They were not going to weddings. So demand for our product was killed in the areas that our stores were in. And in fact, one of our stores was in fact just locked down. So what we needed to do to obviously, you know, we have a great team and a strong team. So I want to keep everybody on board and employed and, and, and keep expanding. So we started advertising digitally uh, in America where they did have a need and did have a demand and then doing these virtual appointments, which people became much more open to. So then we got to see a lot more pitches across the plate, if you know yeah. what I mean, and build up our experience as well and get more feedback and and that type of thing. Well, and, and, and the rules, I mean, <clears throat> as you said, like parts of the states were opening up and Ontario locked down again you know, mm -hmm. just a few months ago in these clips that I've been showing, people can see that we're not wearing masks. And that's because in the summertime, there was no mask mandate going on here. But mm -hmm. then by the time the clothes were ready um, <laughs> and I went back to go try them on, then we all had to, you know, have our masks on again. And yeah. so this, this is the jacket I'm wearing right now. Yeah. And so you guys did all the measurements. We went through all the fabric, all this kind of stuff. The clothes were made, and what typically is that that lead time between the ordering and the clothes coming back? It's typically thirty days. We do have some fabrics um, that can be actually be as long as six weeks, mm -hmm. and that's something though. When it's like, hey, you're getting this one, uh, we tend to only really use those for folks who've already sort of been with us a few times and are now at the stage where with us they sort of plan their wardrobe out, right? So it's typically a thirty day turnaround. Okay. And, um, yeah. So, so in this here, I'm going to show the next clip too, because. Yeah. And you want me to mention sort of what we're doing here? Yeah. So what we're doing here is the clothes have been made and now you're coming back into the store and what we're doing is taking a look at it and about half the time, maybe 40% of the time, we might want to make a minor alteration. Right. And that would be something like, you know, shortening the cuff, Maybe we, maybe we actually want to bring the waist in a little bit or just something like that. And I remember, for instance, on your jacket, we didn't want to do anything, but I changed on your measurements for the next one. I made your next jacket. So the sleeve is going to be a quarter inch shorter, right? Just a little bit of a dialing in process. Now, that is something that virtually like one thing that it's nicer if you're in store, because virtually, let's say. And, and one thing you have to know is I'm pickier than you are, right? Because mm -hmm. you're my walking billboard, right? So you're going to try it on and be like, this is the best. Like, I've never had something fit so well. And I'm going to say, yes, but it could be better. I need to, like, shorten the cuff or, or do whatever, right? So um, for Americans, we'll, you know, we'll send them the clothes and then we'll say, hey, and they don't have to, obviously. Like, you can do whatever you want. But we'll say, hey, do you mind if I check it out, right? Then I like to check it out. And then I'll say, okay, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Can you cross your arms for me? Can you shake a hand? And you'll remember yeah. that we did those exercises, right? Where we went like this and like, okay, does it feel like a hug, but does it feel too tight, right? Okay, when I shake a hand, right, is my sleeve shooting all the way up my jacket or am I maintaining some cuff? Like, like those types of things, just so that we can make sure that everything's dialed in and everything's perfect, right? Well, 
I, I got to tell you, like over the course of my career, I bought plenty of, <clears throat> sorry, I bought plenty of work clothes, you know, jackets and shirts and everything. But <clears throat> I only learned in that first fitting visit that one of my arms is a quarter inch longer than the other. And you're a tall and, guy, right? So you're likely to have that type of variance. Yeah. And so, so the, the jacket and the shirts are all adjusted so that um, unless I tell you, you won't know. And now everyone knows, I guess, because I've said it on the <laughs> internet. But, but, I don't think um, too many people are going to be too worried about it. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I do look and feel sharp when I'm wearing this stuff. And if I go someplace, you know, like it makes me feel taller. Like I, I, I totally get where you talk about, you know, the relationship between appearance and confidence and, and all that kind of stuff. It's totally true. So what's so interesting, you'll notice that, um, you know, when you're young, like, for instance, you know, when you're a teenager and you're like sort of both awkward and arrogant at the same time, it's almost like the only time you can really have that balance. And I, I certainly had that in spades and, you know, look back with like, uh, like embarrassed thinking about it. But you'll notice that people do, uh, men tend to have some point in their life where, you know, they do wear a jacket for the first time. And they're like, oh, my God. Right. And then they become like, from that point on, they're sort of comfortable you know, leaving the house in a collared shirt, leaving the house in a jacket, right? And it, and it changes. And for some people, it happens when they're 22. And for some people, it happens when they're 44, right? But, but, you'll, but you know, by the time people are 80, everyone's, you know, wearing a collared shirt and a jacket. Like, people just, just recognize it. And one of the things that's the biggest challenge, but also the best part of our business, that kind of double-edged sword, is, um, one, obviously, we take time up front with you. So the first time you come in, there's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a, a time investment on your part. And most guys who are our clients, like, Time's not their friend. They hate shopping. They see that. Like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. But then afterward, you can be like, hey, Jeff, five more shirts. And but right, like you can save time, right? So, yeah. so it's like it's like a business, right? You invest up front and you reap the rewards down the road, which a lot of people do understand. But also until you've had us consult you, make sure it fits, make sure that the colors you're wearing complement, you know, your skin tone, your your hair tone, all that type of stuff. And, you know, you might not know why everyone looks at you a little differently and there's this virtuous loop happening where they treat you a little bit better and then you act like you deserve it. And But but you know that it happens. And what happens is people are like, I don't know what it is that those guys do or what it is that they know, but I'm not going anywhere else because they do know something and it is working for me. So we've got, you know, hard to get it, hard to onboard, but so easy to keep a client for us, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, so I'm really happy to ha now have a relationship with you because um, I honestly, I get approached all the time by different people trying to pitch things on the internet and sell things on the internet and they want cool. access to my audience and stuff. And, you know, a lot of that stuff, it's very hard for me to vet and understand it to know that, you know, that offer is good and those people are good. And I don't, want to present things to people in my audience if I'm not 100% certain that it's a good thing. And and where you're not like you're selling a good like it's a it's a thing, right? And and yeah, having yeah, gone through it. having gone through the process of that you take customers through and having received the goods and tried them on and have other people tell me that I look great in them and stuff like I'm very confident in in having you as one of the sponsors of the channel. And so and I'm really happy for everyone out there to know that um, here, look, I even set this up. Um, yeah, here we go. Uh, this is a picture yeah. of, uh, outside your store. And, you know, this is after I, I tried on the clothes.
But if you look there, guys, jeffalpa.com slash DCB10. DCB10 is a discount code for anyone in my audience. You're welcome to use that anytime to, to have some savings off of Jeff's site. And we're approaching Christmas. And I know it's it's we're probably tight here if someone wants to you know have a shirt for Christmas, but there's a really unique gift that you have on your website that I think would be really cool for you to tell people about uh, as far as gift giving. Uh, if people have gentlemen in their life, they want to do something for. Yeah. Oh, I so appreciate the opportunity to speak to that. So when I was at Harry Rosen, like everything started from, you know, trial and error and something could have been better. Right. So when I was at yeah. Harry Rosen, I, 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 November, December, I would help so many people, specific, generally wives, but so many people buying dressers to put under the tree. And in January and February, about half of them would come back. Yeah. Okay? And I'm talking, it was a lot. We were sold a lot of dress shirts and half is a lot of returns, right? And, you know, the size wasn't right. He didn't like the style. Maybe he had like, well, he had a button down collar on this shirt, but he doesn't want a button down. Like there's just so many things, right? So what we do, what I thought was a better way of going about it, and it obviously we have a unique ability and that we do create the clothes after we, we consult with you, is so when people buy a shirt card, we mail out to you this metal card that's just like very cool to put in your wallet. And uh, hey, Chris, do you mind Vanna Whiting for me a second? Do you think you could find a, a metal shirt card? And uh, so we, we got this metal shirt card because it's all about the swag, right? It's all about the swagger. And you can see, thank you so much. And uh, Chris was in the clip and- uh, There you go. So really cool card, right? But but what's important is it's got some weight to it, like one of those platinum credit cards. And it's just awesome to throw it on the table when you're drinking with your buddies. And say, yeah, I'm going to go in and get this shirt. And it comes with a handwritten note, right? And you got about a one in five chance that I write the card, uh, <laughs> by the way. So you get a note saying, it's like, oh, man, you know, Dave, you're so lucky that, you know, Yat Long got you this gift and she wants you to be dangerous and so do I. And I, you just write something fun. Anyway, it's a really cool opening experience. And then you book an appointment, either in-store or virtually, Right. And, and so you have this experience to look forward to because you know that it is a great experience. And then it's basically like giving somebody a painting, but they paint the painting themselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're not they're, they're, they're not going to return the dress shirt because it's going to fit them. Right. Yeah. It's going to fit them. OK, if they're you know, they're going to have their initials or their name or whatever on their cuff. And they're going to design it either, you know, if they want a lavender shirt like you have, they're going to get that. If they want a shirt like I have, right, wild under the hood, whatever, or if they want a shirt full danger, full crazy. If they want a shirt that's like this, but the arm is purple, like whatever they want. So they get this cool experience. The shirt's going to come exactly how they want. Uh, if for whatever reason they don't want that, in the not, the 0.0001% chance, they just are like, I, I and what man can't use another dress shirt? Right. And uh, for whatever reason, they don't want that. It's it's really easy to regift this card. You just like, <laughs> you, you know, when people come to your house and they bring you a bottle of wine and then you like got to go to the next guy's house and you're like, OK, this bottle of wine this guy gave me. I'm just going to like bring there. Like if you had to, you, you, you could do that with this thing. So it's impossible to fail. So so the real benefit is if you're gifting that you can gift it with no worries. Right. There's no stress. They will. Well, and what I think is very cool about it, Jeff, is that unlike a gift card with a denomination or a dollar value on it, like the, the receiver of that gets implicated in the transaction, right? Mm -hmm. like this is the amount of money. This is the shipping, all this kind of thing. And with the shirt card, it's one and done. This shirt card gives you that custom made shirt. Yeah. It's so what? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I almost I forgot to mention another 
part of the value proposition is that it's cashless. It's meant for them to yeah. feel like royalty, right? They drop the card, they get a shirt. It's not like, oh, and you owe us $10 in taxes or like, you know, when you go, go to a restaurant or whatever. And, and another value is we want you to cash in your shirt card because you will talk about the experience. You will yeah. talk about the shirt. The shirt will be worn out in public. It is a sticky and contagious item, right? And, and, and so the gift, it's good for the, the person giving the gift because people say, like, where'd you get that shirt? And they'll say, freaking David got me this shirt. It's so awesome because these guys are the best. But so we actually do follow up uh, in, in typically March, April and just say, hey, you know, you, you still have a shirt card. Like you haven't used that. And of course, everybody's like, I was just trying to lose some weight from Christmas and now I'm in. And, we, you know, <laughs> and then we get everybody and it's just wonderful. They, they want to get down to their tailor weight. That, that is crazy. what happens. Although I will tell you guys, if you guys get a, a shirt card for Christmas, it's actually better to get measured when you're on the heavy side than the lighter side. <laughs> if you had to, if you had to splice it. Uh, world famous stage entertainer and illusionist Bill Peterson says, hi, Dave. And hi, Jeff. Hey, Bill. How are you? Well, I'll ask Bill. Bill, do you like the suit that you just got? Bill, I saw Bill on social media actually modeling his new clothes, his new outfit from Jeff Alpa as well. So good looking outfit. And, you know, we're we're actually up to the top of the hour. So I, I, we're going to have to wind it up. But Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to come in and, and, and talk with us. For those of you who are watching, please hit the thumbs up button. It doesn't cost you anything, but it helps with the algorithm. And, um, you know, I think it's you know, no matter what kind of business people are in, I think there's a lot of stuff in your story and what we talked about tonight that really can give some people some things to think about with respect to their marketing and, and all this kind of thing. I especially love this, the fact that you told us that you didn't build the business on social media, but rather you built the business by hustling yourself from one workplace to another, talking to people about clothes. And I think that so often people look at business examples where there's been a success and people think that they need to do what they see that business doing and they don't understand how they built themselves up to that place. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. I, th there's many times where I've spoken with business owners and they've, they've talked about how they can't seem to find enough customers. And I'll just say, well, how many people have you called and, you know, offered your services to mm -hmm. and just, you know, but that, direct sales angle was something that they just never even thought of. They thought that they had to do some marketing to make people contact them. I know when I started my consulting practice, um, you know, one of the things I did is I just went on LinkedIn. I think I sent about 500 messages to people and just said, I want to let you know I'm doing consulting work now. These are the things I'm doing. And is there any you know thing that you know of that I could help you with? And that was enough to get me kickstarted with enough work to start the machine, like to get the thing going. And it, it wasn't about a clever ad. It wasn't about a cool Instagram post. It was about actually reaching out and asking people if they wanted to do business with you. Yeah, I agree. I, I, so I, 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 I believe so strongly in direct sales. And that's why I do try to explain to people that that's like how it happened. And now if you go on my Instagram and if you guys, by the way, if anyone wants to reach out or talk about anything at Jeff Alpa custom is Instagram. Best way to get a hold of me. Cause you can just hit the button and then hit the, you know, message this guy. And, and I personally will, will read the messages because I just, I just, that's actually the channel that I like the best. So I handle that one. Um, but uh, yeah, like if you were to look on the Instagram now, you'd be like, Oh, what this guy does is takes a bunch of pretty pictures of himself. Right. And in cool outfits, that's actually fairly new. Okay. That's a symptom of having sort of gotten past that flywheel point. Right. 
What I used to do actually quite a bit more of is the, you know, 20 cold calls a day method. Now I'm more like 15 cold calls a week, right? Just, just, just making sure that we've always got a few new people hearing about it from a direct conversation, right? Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier because I do have a lot of people just saying, hey, you should call my buddy this guy. You know, I'm going to tell this guy that you're going to call him if you'd be interested, right? So obviously, you know, now that, I mean, we're, we're five and a half years in, like things are, are working a little bit more for me. But I, the, the direct sales thing is, I think, the key to success. Yeah. Awesome, Jeff. Have a great night in Waterloo. And, um, and we'll catch up with you soon when you're back home. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to high-fiving in person again. Thank you guys to the audience. I really appreciate you guys watching. Again, if you want to get ask me any questions, at Jeff Hoppa Custom on Instagram. And you guys have an awesome night. Think all right. It. And down in the in the link below and in the link of all the videos coming up here from now on, you're going to find that discount code. And a special thank you to you and the team for outfitting me. And uh, I know that the people that commented on my ugly shirts are probably very happy, Jeff. Oh, I, I'm very happy. I'm very happy. <laughs> the, the, the one thing, it's funny, I, I, got, I will end on this point. When, uh, when Yat Long and you got a hold of us, we said, hey, you know what? We don't mind making deal with you you're a deal maker and we're deal makers but part of the deal is you we are going to advise the heck out of you but you got to be like we we want everyone even if they don't know it's a close to say that your broadcast is better you you have to let us consult you and make your broadcast fresher and more dynamic through the clothing and you were like dude i wasn't even ready for that we're like no no like we're we're in it with you it's a partnership and 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 it got intense because we're all intense guys so it's good yeah. All right. Well, with that, we'll see you later. Have a good night and good night to all you guys who are watching and uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers.